So first of all, for openers and the open week, I guess was a way to properly describe it. Here's Jeff Scott. Number one is to know it's an open week, not an off week. Uh, that was the first message to our guys is uh, we got a lot of work to do, uh, but we're going to find the right balance in, um, you know, getting back and getting on the field to, to take some time to correct uh, some of the mistakes and things, some areas that we need to really focus on. And, and we did that. And I think also as a coaching staff, taking some time uh, last week to kind of reevaluate everything that we've done, uh, the good and the bad, and, and also uh, kind of figure out where our team is. And I think one uh, quality that, that good coaches should have is uh, to have enough flexibility within your schemes uh, to adjust to maybe where your, your team happens to be um, and, and not just be completely uh, locked in to, to doing one thing because that's what you've always done. So I think we've kind of tried to reevaluate that a little bit and, and find the uh, best things for us to do moving forward to have uh, the most uh, opportunities for success. Uh, but we did also have an opportunity to, to, uh, for some guys to heal up and get some extra treatment. Uh, we're expecting T.J. Robinson and Jalen Herring to be back this week. Uh, I think it'll probably be another week before Christian Williams is able to come back. He is able to get out and do some stuff for the trainers and, and move around a little bit, but I don't think that he'll be uh, ready to go. Darian Felix looks like he's going to be back uh, this week after missing the last game. And um, like I said, just a lot of guys that were kind of beat up a little bit. Um, hopefully they can get back to, to full speed here for the stretch. And a you know, big message to our team is, uh, hey, you know, first kind of our, our uh, open week kind of draws a line in the sand from our, our start of our season of, of uh, five games, four of them uh, really difficult versus uh, good ranked teams and all that. And then the next seven games are all conference games. And, you know, the message is if, um, you know, we can take the lessons that we learned uh, good and bad uh, from those first five weeks and apply it uh, to the, the next uh, seven uh, games, uh, then we got a chance to, to have a, a good finish and, and a good season. Uh, if we let the, the negative things from those first five games creep in and continue to, to follow us and slow us down, uh, then we won't. And ultimately, that's a decision uh, that the players and, and leadership have to make. Um, I have been pleased so far uh, through the, the five practices that we've had uh, during this open week, counting uh, today, uh, the way the guys have practiced and respond, energy and all that stuff uh, has been good. Uh, but ultimately, uh, we're going to have to play better, bottom line. Certainly encouraging news on the injury front. And if you're going to have to hold Christian Williams out one more week, not the worst team, it tells the team, which is more run-based. We'll get more into them in just a little bit. I found this very interesting. One of those innocent enough questions, you know, what have you learned so far through these first five games of the season heading into the open week and yeah the other part of the team that is a little banged up the defensive front well that's the part of the team it sounds like he is most keen to address in the future one thing it's not anything you can do about it now uh but it's just in the off season you can never have enough defensive players you know so uh i know in the off season we'll have pretty much our front seven will all be leaving so we're probably going to be recruiting our first and second uh teams in our front seven in the off season so you know, whereas last year, you're like, all right, we need one safety here, we need one guy here, we need one corner here. And then what happens, those two guys that you brought in, you're excited about, they tear ACLs in the first month, and you're right back to where you started. So that's probably the, the biggest lesson that I, I learned is uh, you need more depth than you think that you do. And uh, that won't be a, able to be addressed until uh, the off offseason. Um, but I think, um, you know, as far as what we've learned in the first five games, I mean, there, there's a lot of things. Um, offensively and defensively, uh, it's pretty boring because it's about execution. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what it is. I think um, 
you know, the positive, I feel like we've made progress. I'm not sure if we've seen the progress, and some of that has to go to who you're playing, you know, our, our schedule. I mean, you can play other guys and have a lot of success and uh, maybe feel a little bit different. So you got to – it's never as bad as it seems and it's never as good as it seems. There's a lot of truth in that. Uh, but I think overall, uh, just uh, the overall execution of what we're doing, the consistency of that, uh, when you're playing really good teams, the margin for error is very, very small. And um, I think we've seen times where we've done it against good teams, but we haven't done it for four quarters. Uh, is there some things offensively and defensively scheme-wise that we've seen that we've had to adjust to? Absolutely. It's not really anything I want to talk about right now uh, for opponents and all that stuff. But, yes, we, we've definitely made some adjustments. That's kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier. We've had to kind of adjust to maybe where we are, where this team is. So Exhibit A on the more winnable portion of the schedule, if you want to look at it that way, is Tulsa comes in 2-4, and four, but actually probably better than that record displays, according to Coach Scott. Tulsa is a really good team. Uh, you, you may look at their record and, and think one thing, and uh, you turn on the video and you go, okay, they got just about everybody back um, from you know a team that played for the championship last year. Uh, they also had a difficult stretch to open up the season, playing at Oklahoma State and at Ohio State, and they were competitive in, in both of those games. Uh, and then had a really nice win uh, against a good Memphis team uh, this past week. Uh, they returned a lot of starters. Uh, I know looking at their defensive depth chart, uh, every player on the defense started, starter is a junior, senior, or graduate. And I think nine of the 11 are seniors or graduates, uh, and two of them are juniors. So. Uh, they have a lot of guys back that have played a lot of ball, and um, they do a great job within their scheme. And I'm um, really stingy in some of the things they do, especially against the run. They're going to be a really challenge there. And then a uh, talented offense. Uh, their running back last week went over 3,000 yards for his career, and a uh, really good player. They, they've got a couple backs there. Quarterback's a, a new starter, and uh, played really well uh, last week throwing the ball. And um, it'll be a, another big challenge, which is what you expect. Uh, in this league uh, week in and week week out. So big message for us is uh, to continue, stay committed to the process, and uh, stay focused on getting better each and every day in practice. And uh, ultimately, that's how it's going to you know, translate to the, the game field and, and uh, lead to the success that we all want. And one final one. In the last game, Memphis threw for nearly 500 yards against Tulsa. The Golden Hurricane are giving up about 290 per game through the air. Is that something that the Bulls maybe can exploit? I think you got to be a little careful in that. Uh, sometimes, if you go look at the other side of it, the reason they're giving up a lot of yards is because people are throwing it all the time because they can't run it. You know, and that's, uh, again, I mean, I don't want to over whatever, but they, they have a lot of guys around the box. Uh, their nose guard's 380 pounds. <laughs> they, they, play, they play with their hands really well. It's probably one of the best defensive fronts that we've seen. Really impressive. Um, you know, group, and then linebacker-wise, they have two overhangs on the outsides, two guys on the inside, three guys there. So they got seven around the box, and they're basically daring you to have to throw the ball. And, um, you know, they mix up their zone coverage. I think where people have had some success is they play a lot of cloud coverage. So, you know, they drop eight, and it's about finding those windows and those those zones. But uh, it definitely uh, was not a situation where maybe I look at that stat ahead of time, then you turn on the video and think, oh, well, these guys just aren't any good. It's not that. It's more of, well, you look at Memphis, might have thrown it over 50 times last week. And it's not because you want to throw it, but it's because uh, it's better than the alternative of, of just running into a brick wall there on the inside. But, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately we gotta, we got to find, uh, you know, what gives us the best chance uh, to win. 
and um, you know we'll we'll make those decisions throughout the week. But really, what their defense uh, makes you do is uh, it makes you be very accurate in your passing game because there's just small windows and. Um, uh, that's kind of what some people have done so far this year. Coach Scott will give us a final Zoom update on Thursday. You'll hear some of those clips on Friday's show. Today we'll be speaking to both coordinators, Glenn Spencer and Charlie Weiss, so you can get ready for those on tomorrow's show. Here's a little bit of the two student-athletes who spoke at the press conference. First of all, Jimmy Horn, who, as you might have heard, has a little bit of a connection with Timmy McLean. They won a state championship, went 12-0 and last year at Samford Seminole. He caught 44 passes for nearly 800 yards and nine touchdowns in a shortened 12-0 season. But really, that was the first year they were, for a full season, together. People assumed they grew up together. They had a connection, as he explained, but it really blossomed in his one full year at Seminole High School. I knew I met Timmy when I was younger, like sixth grade. I played for um, Volusia Titans. I played it was like AAU football. Y'all know Jalen Carter that played for Bulldogs. They had that man playing running back, and like nobody couldn't score on them. They had a good defense. Nobody couldn't score on them, and like they kicked the ball to me on the kick return. I took it back. That was on the touchdown of the game, and then like we were just talking after the game and stuff, and then like we just started talking, and then my first two years of high school, I went to Lake Mary High School. I went there, played freshman JV, and then after that I had transferred to um, Seminole High School, but I always knew Timmy like after like that game. Then we just played with each other in high school. And then I didn't really play that much my junior year. Got hurt. Just like my senior year, I just waited my time patiently. And then I just had a good season. And then, man, Timmy built a good connection. I wanted to ask Jimmy what he thought about Timmy being so calm under pressure and maybe having won a state championship. It couldn't be as much of a surprise that he would be so composed. But still, in Provo, Utah, did that surprise him? Nah, not really. So, like, where we from? People, like, they'll come out to our games. There'll be, like, a lot of people there to watch Timmy and Jimmy. And then, like, you know, we had the Twins, Kari Mar, and then we had some more stars on our team that played high school football. So, like, it's a lot of people that would come out and watch us play. And then, like, we went to the state championship game. Like, almost the whole Sanford was at the game with Osceola people. So, it felt like a college game. And when I was there, I really didn't hear the crowd. Like, you expect me to get butterflies for a football game. I don't even get butterflies no more. He touched on some personal tragedies in his background, in fact, during the press conference, and I know he did so more with Joey Johnston for his pregame interview. Also, I know Joey is working on an article for GoUSFBulls.com, but just a little idea. When I was asking about, is there a significance, is it a coincidence that McLean's number is 9 and his is 5, you know, the whole 9 to 5 thing, but that is just a coincidence from that angle. It's more personal is why he's number five. I was going to get number one to represent my grandma that passed away because, like, every time she take a picture, she pulls up with, like, one finger. But I just got five because, like, it represents, like, like, the five people that I was close to that I lost. My auntie, my grandma, my cousin, my two cousins, my homeboy, Zai. Yeah, I had lost them. And I just wear that number with pride. And then one more from Jimmy Horn, a new personal favorite phrase of mine as far as him getting his 100-yard game as first in college against SMU. Yeah, it, it was a pretty big thing for me. But, like, I try not to get satisfied with being satisfied, you feel me? Like, that's first 100-yard game. I try not to be like, oh, yeah, I got my first 100 yards. I'm good. You know, I just got to be hung- hungry and stay humble because my time will come. And I just, like, patiently wait it, you know, like – I look up to like all the receivers in our receiver room because like we all motivate each other. It ain't no selfish like in our group. So like when it's our time, we just be ready. 
So I just try not to get satisfied with being satisfied. Yeah. On to Thad Mangum, veteran on that defensive line. A little bit on the D-line and how the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes stack up. And then into the issues that the Bulls had trying to leave Dallas, which I wasn't aware of until yesterday. And how that's going to be uh, something they don't have to worry about for most of the next six weeks of the season is for the next five games are at home. Yes, sir. Um, they got a tough running game. Um, they have a collection of backs that they use. And they try to use the offensive line and do gap schemes and different things like that to uh, get our reads um, mixed up. So if we can lock in on our details and focus on that and stopping that, then we'll be successful. We're right there, but we got to get over the hump. So the only way we can, we can get over the hump is by going harder. So we're just trying to go harder each and every day in practice and focus on the details to do a little bit more, know a little bit more to be more prepared for the game. and. Hopefully that result in a W. Uh, we're very excited to be at home. Um, let's see that last traveling game, SMU. That was that was a terrible travel. <laughs> we we were stuck outside waiting. So yes, I'm, we're glad to be at home. <laughs> Mechanical issues with the plane, just just bad. I don't even remember. I just try not even think about it. <laughs> Apparently, Joey Johnston was having to regale the guys with uh, stories, and oh man, for two and a half hours, ended up with them looking up at the stars and finally getting on the plane and coming back home. But they'll be getting on a bus, heading over to Raymond James Stadium early Saturday morning for the noon kickoff. By the way, the biggest comeback in school history, that was in 2014 against Tulsa. We've got that replaying for you on USF Bulls Unlimited today, and we'll sprinkle it in. I think we'll just do a sort of edited version of the last time the Bulls beat Tulsa. You remember the first three quarters in 2018. Didn't have much in the way of highlights, but the fourth quarter was quite memorable, so stay tuned for that. Always follow us on Twitter at Bulls Unlimited for the exact schedule on both of our channels. A couple good comments from Jose Fernandez coming up. A little bit of a preview on the basketball team, but of course we are still a few weeks away from the start of that season, so we'll get more on that squad as we get closer, but he spoke to the media. Oh, Speaking of teams that we're a little bit away from, even though they are going to be playing some fall ball here soon, as far as actual contests go, softball, and I kind of knew this was happening and wanted to wait until it became official. It became official, and that is a new member of Ken Erickson's staff. Last year, again, with sort of the situation with COVID and with Jessica Moore, the pitching coach, leaving, you just had him and Tommy Santiago as your coaching staff. You had players act as the first base coach so don't have to worry about that anymore recently they added Carla Claudio Rivera as pitching coach we spoke about that about a month ago and for volunteer assistant coaches not a bad one to have as they announced Lisa Navas as the volunteer assistant she's got a little bit more experience than your typical volunteer assistant she was the head coach at NC State in fact their first head coach when the program began in 2004 until 2002 They actually, in the third season, won the ACC regular season and tournament titles. She is an assistant on the under-18 USA softball national team, so there's the connection with Ken Erickson. She played college softball in the mid-'80s. She's been around the game forever, of course, and she was the associate head coach at South Carolina the last nine years. They made the Super Regionals in 2018, and now she's a volunteer assistant, so there's obviously the connection with Ken, 
Erickson, but this is kind of big news. Coach says that she is one of the most knowledgeable and popular coaches in the United States, and that's on GoUSFBulls.com. So that is a big addition to the staff, and we're looking forward to meeting her and getting her on Bulls Beat one of these days soon enough. So Coach Jose Fernandez spoke to the media at the Selman Athletic Center on Tuesday, and of course one of the things he got into right away is this unbelievable schedule. He says it's the toughest, definitely toughest, non-conference schedule the Bulls have ever had. But first, a little bit of an overview of the team before getting into what the Bulls have coming up pretty soon. I think our guys really had a great offseason. Everything that this team went through last year, uh, I thought, we were playing our best basketball at the time, and then we had a 30-day layoff, and we just kind of like stumbled all the way through into the NCAA tournament. But at the same time, we're 20 minutes away from that second weekend. So it'll be right now, today's uh, practice 11. So after today, we only got 19 more practices. Three of those practices will be preparing for those first two opponents and then our third opponent, Tennessee. We're playing a great schedule, but this team deserves to be playing uh, the schedule that we scheduled. One thing that you can control is who you play in November and December. So every head coach in the country has a responsibility to do that. I would be doing a disservice if uh, we'd be playing any other type of schedule. Uh, I think we're going to get three good games in the in the Battle of Atlantis, and then we're going to be off, and then we'll have two days to prepare for Stanford. Anytime you get an opportunity to play a team like that on a neutral floor, you know, it, it came about, I guess, we were the only team that wanted to play them. So it worked out well. Yeah, they just picked up not only a few extra days in the Bahamas, yes, and I'll be making the trip, so that's not the worst news in the world, but also the game against the defending national champs. But... If you just stopped it there, it'd been enough. They go to Tennessee, which is always a team in contention to hosting early round action. And we will return to that format. It won't be all in one state this year like San Antonio held the event last season. Don't forget they have an event in December in West Palm where they play two good teams, Ole Miss and West Virginia. They go to VCU, which is picked to win the A-10. They go on the road to Texas Arlington, a tough squad. High Point, which won its league last year, is coming to the Yingling Center. So, yeah, pretty good schedule. Now, one thing that happened last year in that second-round loss to NC State is early on, both Betty Menunga and Shea Lever got in foul trouble. It's great to have two post players returning for their extra season, which they didn't have to. They wanted to. But to add Dulcie Fanka Mengiadu, a six foot four dominating force underneath who was a star at Memphis basically her first two seasons, Kind of a big deal. In fact, I thought this was interesting about now the depth of the roster. Well, at the time when she became available, uh, I mean, this is a young lady that, that she stays healthy. She's going to play basketball for a long time and has the ability to get drafted. We had four guys that made all-conference teams last year and the sixth man of the year. Well, Dulce was second team all-conference. Ariel Wilson's bringing in a kid that started every game in her first two years at Memphis. Now you don't have to rely on Elisa Penzan playing 37, 38 minutes a game. Right, so I, I think she'll she'll be healthier in January, February. We got we got we got three really good wings returning. And I think Sarah Guerrero's made the biggest leap and improvement from last year to this year. Uh, she's going to find a way to get on the floor the way that she's been practicing. Now your front line with Dulce, Shea, Betty, you bring in Patience Williams as well. You're pretty deep in there. Tough job job is, you know, we got to find eight nine guys. That is going to be a really good rotation. And then the other four or five to cheer like hell. <laughs> it's true. You know, I thought, the, I thought one thing about our team last year, you know what? The reason why we were so successful, everybody embraced their role. 
there's no possible way you're going to be able to play 12, 15 guys in a basketball game. And yet you look at their roster, if he's right about that, then there's going to be some big-time talent sitting on the bench. We'll get more into details on that. Jose's actually speaking as part of the conference virtual media days on Wednesdays uh, down the road.